Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Faith here with your welcome toast. To those of you with the wisdom to know that adding cheese to anything is an antidepressant. Thanks for listening. Here's what's about to happen on this edition of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, and it's going to be fun. My conversation with Food Network television star Giada De Laurentiis in front of a large audience in Madison, Connecticut. It started with a generous introduction from Roxanne Cody of R.J. Julia Booksellers. So I have the pleasure of introducing two people Uh, One who is a longtime friend, Faith Middleton, who is, yes, for those of us who live in Connecticut, she has been with Connecticut Public Radio for 38 years. And for, even for those of us who don't cook, I sit there and think I ought to cook, or I sometimes make up that I did cook, what, what she talks about. But Faith is also a two-time recipient of the Peabody Award for her work at Connecticut Public Radio. She's the host, obviously, and executive producer of Faith Middleton's Food Schmooze. She's got two honorary doctorates. She has taught the art of the interview at Yale University. She did a book a number of years ago called Goodness of Ordinary People, which was wonderful and also published by Random House. And she was inducted into the Women's Hall of Fame here in Connecticut, and her show was named to Connecticut Magazine's Hall of Fame. And she has graciously agreed to join us tonight to interview Giada. Now, for me to give you an introduction to Giada and tell you about all her shows, and this is her ninth book, and her book is great, and all, you know that, and that's why you're here, that's why you stood in line for four days um, (laughs) in order to see her. Here is what I have noticed in the times that Giada has been here and watching all of you interact with her is this. And this is what I think at the end of the day matters. She is inspiring. We hear more kids who are interested in cooking. I think she has single-handedly reintroduced the idea that a family dinner might be a really good idea with good food on the table and not phones on the table. And people feel connected to her. I mean, we rarely see readers, cooks, who feel like hugging her is appropriate because, of course, you know her. And it's that that I think, there's lots of great cookbooks, but what Giada does, first of all, Ordinary people like me can cook and seem like brilliant cooks. But it's her connection to people and the inspiration that I think makes us all so excited and thrilled and, and wanting to meet her and be here. So please join me in welcoming Faith Middleton and Giada DiLorenzo. 
It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. What an audience has appeared for my conversation with Food Network star Jada De Laurentiis. My special thanks to R.J. Julia Booksellers, especially the founder and president, Roxanne Cody. I think, why waste one second? Let's get right to the woman we're here to have a conversation with, to hear, to celebrate her new cookbook. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome officially the author of Jada's Italy, Giada De Laurentiis. lot of people here. Yeah, a lot of people. Oh my goodness. Um, welcome to the Food Schmooze Party. Jada, I like this cookbook very much, as I told you earlier. Yes, and you said you read it 20 times. I did, I did. <laughs> so you wrote that it reflects the way Italians, including you, like to eat. Can yeah. you explain what you mean by that? Italians eat a little bit differently in the sense that we eat a lot of snacks. But our snacks consist of things like crostini with something on it. It's just enough to kind of carry you from lunch to dinner because we tend to eat dinner a little bit later in the day. I didn't want to just write a book that had, all right, a pizza chapter and a sandwich chapter and a soup chapter. I wanted everybody to understand that we eat pizzas for snack instead of a meal a little bit differently than they do here. And so that's why the book is broken down in that way. Uh I also wanted to include recipes that I haven't really been able to include either in my show or in other books because they're a little too labor-intensive. And I don't mean difficult, as I mean you just need more than just your two hands. You need some family members to help you out because there are several steps, like the sartu di riso, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's hard. It just takes a long time. So in the past, I've never been able to include those kind of traditional Italian or family recipes. They weren't quick and easy, and I'm known for quick and easy Italian. But I also wanted you to understand that although Italians are busy people too, on the weekends, that is our bonding time. That is the time we spend together. And it means that multiple family members get together in the kitchen, and sometimes they start a sauce or a dish on Saturday, and they finish it on Sunday. That's where memories are made. That is how it happens for us. Now, in the old days, it happened almost every day of the week. But now, you know, it's a little tougher. We're all so busy. But I think it's a really nice way to maybe once a month get your family together or once every however you can do it, pick a recipe like that and get everybody involved and everybody takes uh, one part of the recipe. And that's what I've been doing with my family forever. Jada, I'm so glad you said that because later on I was going to ask you about the pressure not to get ahead of your people and yet at the same time express something that is important to you. I think we get it. So you nailed it for me on page 30 in your book, and this is a recipe. What's on page 30? Oh. I'm going to say two words, candied prosciutto. Have you guys ever had candied prosciutto? Wait, Faith, have you actually made that recipe, or have you just been looking at it? I'm the one who serves bacon strips to people as an appetizer when they come in the door. No People love bacon bacon strips. (laughs) This is even better as far as I'm concerned. It's, It's almost like a chip. It's so thin. But it's sort of the same principle as candied bacon, which I know people love. It seems healthier, though, is it? Well... 
Well, there's less of it because it's thinner, so maybe it is a little bit healthier, but there's still sugar and spice and all of that good stuff in it. It's still fat, and it's still a pork product. But I think it's not smoked, so that could make it a little lighter. It's thin, so it kind of crumbles. I love it over salads, even over, I know it sounds weird, over yogurt to give it like sort of a a spicy sweet. Anything you would put bacon on, you can put this on. Mm -hmm. But I like it as snacks, and sometimes I just put them in a cup, put them in the center of the table, and I serve them alongside the meal. Yeah. I would That's eat how it good a, they are. Jade I would eat it like on candy. a shoe. It really would. That's <laughs> on a shoe? On a shoe. I would eat oh, it on a I shoe. I haven't tried that. So that'll be my next <laughs> one. So often when I make a so-called appetizer jada, that's dinner with a salad for me. Yeah. And I, I read you talking about that and I love that philosophy. Let's get into that a little bit. Okay. I want to know why you don't feel wed to this concept of that there's an entree, there's an appetizer, there's a dessert. Because I can't eat that much, Faith. I mean, once in a while I can, but regularly I can't possibly eat an appetizer. Usually it's two appetizers, by the way. It starts like salad, then a soup, and then your main course, and then maybe an intermezzo, and then dessert. Like, choke me. It's too much food. So I like to eat on the light side, and I feel like every day we sort of have a different level of hunger right? So some nights I just want to have, if I have leftover risotto, I make arancini di riso. I have a few arancini di riso and a salad. I'm good to go. Why are you looking at me like that? (laughs) The the rice balls. Do you really want to know? Well, you know that they're pretty dense. I'm thinking, can you eat as often as you might like to? Or are you prevented because of the kind of work you do? Yes, you personally. Yeah, I eat whenever... Yeah, sure. Like, on the road, I got really hungry over here. I did not get to eat lunch. I had oatmeal for breakfast, which satiated me for quite some time. I eat my oatmeal with olive oil and sometimes almonds and sometimes some orange segments and salt. That's how I like my oatmeal, not sugary and stuff. But then I didn't get to eat lunch because we were working. So they gave me a salad. That lasted, like, 20 minutes. And I was like, I'm starving. So they bought a couple cookies. I ate them all. And then I heard we're going to have pizza on the way home. Um, So I do. Now, I will say this, that on this book tour, I've had to be careful because if I eat a big meal, and I did this in Houston, I was starving. We got off a plane. We went to this Tex-Mex place. I ate a lot of chips and guacamole and chilarianos and tacos. I did a signing with almost 1,000 people, and I wanted to. I was going to be sick because the energy level, I have to keep it up, right? But I'm so full. I just want to like <sighs> relax and take a nap. So yes, do I, am I careful about how much I eat before yeah. I'm going to be doing this or before I'm on a show or before I know that I can't just kick my feet up and hang out on the couch? Yeah, I'm careful. And I try <laughs> not to eat a lot. You know, our bodies need a minute to digest food. It slows us down in our thinking and our ability to move and be energized. So I can't eat as much. And it is something I think about. There is a paste that comes up in several of your recipes. For instance, this spicy Calabrian shrimp. Mm-hmm. Which is, and by the way, a great meal with a salad. Exactly. And that's, some toasted bread or ciabatta. That's why I went there. As soon as I saw that recipe, I thought, that's dinner for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, see, if I serve that to Jade for dinner... Or, your daughter? Yeah, my daughter or any male friend of mine, they'd look at me like, that's it? Where's the pasta? Where's all of the other stuff? So you and I can eat like that, but usually if I'm cooking for Jade, I've got to think of I need a starch, and I need a green, and I need a protein. 
This Calabrian chili paste, though, really, I was just so enchanted with this. I've never had it. You've it never is had like, it? I've never had it. It's like sriracha. Can you, but where do you sweeter. Get it? Okay. Not quite as vinegary as sriracha is. You can get it at Italian gourmet stores, but if you don't find it, you can get it on Amazon. <laughs> Believe it or not, it is spicy, so you guys have to be very careful how much you use. I give you the measurements, but some people like a ton of heat. If you do, go wild with it. And you know what? It's one of those things that you can keep in your fridge for two years if it takes you that long to get through it. But I'm telling you, it's a flavor bomb, and it works in everything. I use it in in salad dressings. I use it in stews. I use it in pastas. I mean, I can just cook pasta, add a little bit of Calabrian chili paste and some garlic. Dinner's done. That's how great it is. Morning oatmeal. Yeah, morning oatmeal. If I really want to be running around the block... But seriously, yeah. It's, no, I it's, would do that. <laughs> Actually, I could do it for dinner. I'd rather the, the oatmeal with the Calabrian chili for dinner than I would for breakfast. I think that might burn a hole in my stomach. <laughs> we're, let me tell you what we're doing. This is Jada De Laurentiis. It's a great honor to have her on the show. And we are at an event sponsored by R.J. Julia Booksellers in New York and Connecticut. We're in Madison in a room that is packed with people, just hundreds of people who have come to see this amazing person. I want to thank you and the publisher very much for allowing us at Public Radio to put three of the recipes up on our site. This one I chose because... Oh, yeah, tell um, me what you chose. Caccio e Pepe, which has become... Can you, I mean, I would say that even two years ago, people were like, what's Cacho, what's Cacho Pepe? What the heck is that? I feel like it has really taken off. What is going on with this? So let's explain what this is. They figured it out. It's great. (laughs) It's so great. It's cheese and pepper. Who doesn't like cheese and pepper on pasta? But with arugula in your way. I, 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 I put my own spin on it. Pancetta. Uh, But traditionally in Italy, it is just cheese and pepper. That is all it is. You know, and usually it's sheep's milk cheese on top of it all. Now, I like to switch things up as I like to do and make a real meal out of it. So I got to have something green and arugula is my favorite. So we add some arugula and I add a little meat to it. Can't go wrong with a little pancetta in it. You could also use bacon if you want. Does anybody know the difference between bacon and pancetta? Do you know the difference between bacon and pancetta? Oh, you're trying. No, no, I'm just asking because a lot of people ask me between that question. Between bacon and pancetta. Yes. So both pork I products. think bacon is cured and pancetta is not. Correct. Brava. Sometimes it's a fun little takeaway. No, I think that's a, it was a wonderful question to ask. Thank God I knew the answer. Okay. I have a feeling you know a lot about, a lot about food. No, it's just a little bit. <laughs> really, I'm a big eater is really what it is. Okay, the other recipe on our site is grilled chicken in voltini. Yes. You I love this, right? I do because they're like little pockets, and when you cut into them, they're colorful. And I just like, it reminds me, and it sounds ridiculous, but... Other than Italian food, I love Japanese food because they're like little gems. And to me, this is sort of the Italian version of the little gems, right? You cut them up like almost like sushi rolls, and they have all the color inside, and I just like it. So you're rolling chicken with, with stuff You're rolling, inside. yeah, you're rolling chicken breast, yes, and that, with that stuff inside of it. In the grill? Yeah, uh, I like right to grill on the grill. Okay. Yeah, because it gives it sort of a, a warmth. I find what happens with involtini a lot of times is that people end up boiling them because the pan's never hot enough. But on your grill, that will be hot enough. And I will guarantee you some sear and some nice smoky flavor. 
So I read cookbooks at night, just before sleep, like it's pornography. <laughs> and I... And Does it put you to sleep? <laughs> or keep you up? <laughs> so I would say that it's always my test with a book. If I say, oh my God, this is unbelievable... <laughs> tonight. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Here it is. Grilled scallops with prosciutto and basil. Think about it. You see? You're doing it, too. <laughs> this is a beautiful recipe. How did you come up with this? <laughs> I... <laughs> Are you blushing? I, yeah. I, I, I didn't realize this was where this was going this evening. Um, this is how so, I get an audience. Uh, so, for those of you who've been to Sicily, you know that swordfish is sort of in every single dish that they make. And in Italy, they're called spidini. And so I had these great spidini that were wrapped in prosciutto. And I thought, I can't take any more swordfish in my life. And I thought, I, if I have to eat one more piece of swordfish, I will... I don't know. So I did it with scallops. And although scallops tend to be obviously more delicate because it's not as meaty as swordfish, uh, you have to be careful with scallops. easy to overcook. But I did it with the scallops, and I actually thought it was more, yes, wrapping around the outside. And I thought it was, what? No, I'm, I feel I, like you're directing me, but I'm not sure where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I was just saying. It's, it's part a, of my plan. It's very, de- you're going to hypnotize me. Um, it's. I find scallops wrapped in prosciutto to be a very sexy dish. It really is. It's delicate. It's very delicate, but it's very sexy, too. I think anything wrapped in prosciutto actually is quite sexy, I must say. I agree. I agree. It's that old school, what was that called? Was it rumaki? Yeah. Right? Remember that old thing? So can you just help me a little bit with the scallop goes on its side. You roll it with a piece of basil Mm -hmm. inside, Mm -hmm. and the scallop is on the outside as if it's a a sushi roll. Correct. So see where my love of Japanese food still is like bleeding Mm -hmm. through all of this? And actually, this is the first time I've ever talked about that. So it's interesting that you've been able to pull that out of me, Faith. There is a soup that you make, pasta pomodoro. Yeah, uh, pasta pomodoro. Say it? Papa al pomodoro. Ah. Papa, because Beautiful. The, the bread falls apart. Um, like, so bread in the soup? Like bread giant. soup, traditional. Northern Italian, Tuscan sort of. Leftover bread with tomatoes. Most gorgeous food photography in this book, by the way. To yeah. whomever did that, Aubrey Pick is, is a good photographer. Fabulous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I looked at this dish, and I thought, why would I just want this in one or two seasons in the chilly weather? And I wanted to try this out on you. Would it be possible for me to make this bread soup with a little bit of, I think there's pancetta in this one too, am I correct? Yes, Yes, but you can always take it out if you like. Could I serve this even in the warmer weather at room temperature? Would that be okay with you? Would they do that in Italy? (laughs) Yes, they do, actually. I would say that it's sort of the idea, although a lot chunkier, like a gazpacho, truly. I would use fresh tomatoes. Don't bother with the canned. Cut them up. You let them sit with the bread and all of the seasoning. The panchita, you just have to render and do all that in advance. A lot of time with the warm one, I like to add a Parmesan cheese rind because it sort of melts in there. Now, if you do it cold, 
you could actually heat it up just so the Parmesan cheese slowly starts to melt and then cool it off and just let it sit at room temperature. It'll be delicious because there's a lot of tomatoes in the summer, a lot of basil, so the flavors would actually be fantastic. Um, so, yes, it can be either way. But traditionally in Italy, in the north especially where this dish started, it's always uh, served in the winter. But you could definitely do it in the summer. Don't go anywhere. You can't believe what Jada is going to talk about next. I asked her to take us behind the scenes at the Food Network to tell us how they really prepare for those TV shots that we see that are so gorgeous. More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead with Jada here on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope, as always, you'll make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. And we'll be right back. De Laurentiis is our guest here on the Fuchmas Party in downtown Madison, thanks to RJ Joya Booksellers, and we are with a huge audience. Jada's book is called Jada's Italy, and you will see it on our website with some of the recipes that she's graciously given to us at Public Radio. Did you pick a dessert by chance, Faith? The three recipes were the scallops the and the chicken and voltini. Oh, no desserts. Oh, and cacio I pepper. almost went for the brownies, but... I was going to say. Okay. okay. I want to bring you back to swordfish. You said, if oh. I have one more piece of swordfish, oh, I, and I just... thought, aha, I've got you now, because in your restaurant in Las Vegas, yes. there is a swordfish dish. I went nuts when I saw this, because it had candied lemon with it. And that turned out to be a huge hit at the restaurant in Vegas, right? Honestly, who knew that the candied lemon on my arugula salad would be like the end-all be-all? Between my lemon ricotta cookies, my lemon spaghetti, and the candied lemon on my arugula salad, honestly, it's unbelievable, especially in a place like Vegas, where it's all about steaks and meat, meat, meat. So yeah, my candied lemons, and I also use the, um, the uh, syrup from making the candied lemons in the dressing along with a little panchita fat. Those are the two secrets to the great dressing there that makes all that arugula so delicious. Nobody's laughing at my food pornography now. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, when you do the Food Network show... Which one? All of them. Okay. <laughs> and I watch all of them. Really, you're absolutely fantastic at what you do. I really oh, mean that you. sincerely. I do. How much, I, when I sit there, just coming from a world of radio and television, and I watch how things are done, trying to understand 
what is prepped for you ahead of time, who's putting things in a refrigerator so the, or the oven, and you can pull it out and say, here it is, finished. Or How does it work? Am I allowed to tell you that? No, I'm just kidding. Um, how does it work? Well, I do have a dishwasher who does all the dishes, which is really nice. And I have three girls in the kitchen that help me prep stuff. I will say that a lot of the prep I try to do myself. Also because it never matches, ever. Down to the slicing of the bread. If they pre-slice and I have to slice one more slice, it's never as nice or as even. The onions never match. Things don't match. So we've stopped a long time ago trying to do all the prep work in advance. I chop a certain way, I slice a certain way, and it just doesn't match what the girls do. So, um, But we plan these recipes way in advance, and we do what's known as a breakdown. Okay, So the kitchen and director and the whole, the whole production team knows what's going to happen. We do not write scripts, though. That I just ad lib. But uh, we do have a whole breakdown. So they'll know Jada wants to chop an onion, and then she wants to chop this. I sometimes change the order at the last minute, or I add an ingredient or take one away. You never know. It does take a lot of planning, but I do like to cook my own stuff. Now, would we have a swap? Sometimes. Not always. Because the problem is they don't always match. And I feel that people catch that kind of stuff. And so a lot of times if something has to bake, that's the first act. That's what I do. It goes in the kitchen and bakes, and I move on to act two. Mm-hmm. You know, And then I come back as soon as it's done, and I just finish out that last act. Mm-hmm. Or it shows up later in the show. So I can bake all of my own things. Also for me, it's a really great way to retest that recipe one last time. So if someone else is prepping everything, then I'm not sure it actually works out from beginning to end if we chop it up. So it's a really great way for, once again, to retest those recipes. I am only as good as my recipes. So if my recipes don't work, then I'm not going to be here anymore. And that was from day one. So it has really been uh, very helpful for me to cook my own stuff. I will tell you, though, that my days are very long for that reason. Yeah. Because we can't, you know, we do one show a day, we have two cameras, and uh, it takes a long time to shoot it. We do close-ups, and we do wide shots, and three-quarter shots, and sometimes and I have, have to, to go ma- back and do grab shots, and we can only do the grabs with my hands. I don't they allow have to any- match, right? Well, Every, yeah, I mean, has to match. Uh, the, hello, I'm known for my nails. Like, I, I can't find somebody else with short fingers with these kind of nails. Like, it's become too... <laughs> and I, like I said, I hold yeah. a knife differently. People would know. And then there goes my reputation right out the window. Yeah, yeah. Ina and I just do less shows. We just don't do 500 shows a year. We do, we do less. We do 20 or we do 26. You know, oh, that's the difference. That's so good. That's the difference. We, just do, we do them very well and we take the time. We just don't do as many. Is this your sensibility? I certainly know your background. And there is a very cinematic quality to your show. And I, I bet you are very fussy about that. Yes. yes. So my family's in the movie business. So I grew up in the movie business. Uh, my grandfather made 600 movies in 60 years. I was born in Rome. I moved to the States when I was eight with my grandfather and my whole family. So he was the patriarch. Once he decided to go to America and have the American dream, we all just went, all followed him like little ducklings. And... I grew up in the movies. My grandmother was an actress. And so when they asked me to do a food show, 
I said, well, I, I'm going to do it a little differently. Because you have to remember, Food Network was just doing shows with like 20 cameras. You know, cameras everywhere. And they were just, just cranking out shows. Um, but that's not my style. And I knew I could not get the sensuality of the Italian culture and food if I did it that way. It just wouldn't mm-hmm. happen. It wouldn't. And so, yes, that is yeah. part of what I wanted to do a little bit differently. And lucky for me, it worked. Now, it could have completely gone the other way as well. But at least I knew I did it the way I wanted to do it, and it seemed, and it seemed to work. It's beautiful. Yeah. And Ina does it her way that way as well. I mean, we all, you know, there's a couple of us, a few of us, that shoot that way. Not everybody does, but some of us do. I was thinking about your heritage and how... So many years ago, when Italians came to America, there was so much discrimination that Italians faced. And now we are in a time where so many of us hope when our DNA testing to find yeah, out that, that you're we're Italian. Italian. Yes. I certainly do. Yes. Um, what, what happened? What went on to make this happen? You know, part of me feels that that part of my success is also being at the right place at the right time, right? So my success really started when I got on television after 9-11. When people realized, you know what? We need to spend more time with the people we love, and we need to learn to entertain at home, and we have to stop going out in public. We need to stay home and stay together as a clan and build build these relationships, build these memories, build a culture for ourselves. When that whole thought process changed, because it did, restaurants started to see a big decline in revenue. And cookbooks and cooking shows went nuts because people realized, okay, we need to rethink who we are. And I think the Italian culture is one that really believes and is very centered in the family, we, everything revolves around the family. And not just Italians in Italy. Italians here, too. We are very focused on our culture and our family, and we don't let it go. And so I think that that is one of the many reasons that people gravitated towards Italian. It's very warm, and it's very inviting, and it's very sensual. All things that tap into creating a culture that I feel was lost for a long time, but now it has come back in full force. So it was strange, but, you know, it was part of it. As strange as that might sound to people when I say it, because a lot of people think, what? But it did. The mentality changed in this country, across the board. And we spent more time at home. And we learned to entertain at home in a different way. We'd gotten away from it. Yeah. We got to know the people, too. Yeah. And the talents, the creativity. Mm -hmm. I and people were able to travel more, too. I'm sorry? People were able to travel more. I mean, I remember when I moved here, my mother was importing pasta, Parmesan cheese, prosciutto, everything, everything. You go to um, Kmart, and you can find prosciutto. It may not be the best quality, but you can find it, and mascarpone, and ricotta, all the things that didn't exist when I moved here. People were like, what is that? What are you talking about? Mm. It's pretty remarkable what's happened in the last 25 years. What about your philosophy, or at least as it's described about you, of morphing together the uh, true Italian cooking, which is a little bit different, quite a bit different from Italian-American cooking. Yes, it's different. 
and your sensibility from L.A. and that sort of healthful profile that... How did, did you set out to do that, or is that how that's come to be described? No, Faith, I didn't set out to do any of this. <laughs> I just like to cook. <laughs> that was it. Um, no, I, I didn't set out to do it. It's just the way I think... Um, I just think that I took the recipes that my family was making. I realized that I really couldn't eat like that on a regular basis. It was too heavy. And I also live in a city where we're lucky enough to have a lot of fruits and vegetables around, almost year-round. And I realized I want to hold on to the traditional recipes that my parents made, but I kind of want to give them a makeover. I want to lighten them up. I want to make them a little more modern and a little more doable, and I want to make them colorful. I do not like beige food. I say it all day at my restaurants, please don't serve me beige food. I cannot take it. It's depressing to me. I need to see a plate that's got lots of color and texture because we eat with our eyes first. And that was sort of the mission that I was on. I do not like beige, boring food. Color. I'm not asking for much, but I like color and texture. And so I set out to do that in just about all of my recipes. And sometimes to my Aunt Raffi's dismay, and she would get really upset. But I think now they've all realized that that's just what I do. I make it better. Okay, so, so, so last question, so we can leave some time for people, would be to say, to ask you, um, what was it, and maybe still is, uh, about cooking that so appealed to you? Everybody's got a passion that calls to them. Why do you think that was yours? Well, it was mine because uh, I come from a large Italian family, and as a female, it is very difficult to be heard or for anybody really to notice you. And in the kitchen, I felt powerful. I felt like I had a voice, and my family listened. And they liked what I made, and I got a lot of positive reinforcement from it. And so I thought... I never want to do anything else. Why would I want to do anything else? It's where I feel the best about who I am. I feel the best when I am cooking at and all times. Are we and better off I just off want for to feel that 24-7. I mean, re- but it's different for everyone. You're phenomenal. It's different phenomenal. for you and for me and for You're everybody just else. phenomenal. Thank you, Giada De Laurentiis, well, author you, of Giada's Italy, one of the best conversations I've had about food in a long time. Oh. It's just a privilege to be with Giada. <laughs> Don't even think of going anywhere. My conversation with Giada De Laurentiis continues, and we're going to throw it open to this huge audience. Just throw it out to the audience and see what they ask. So stay with us for that, and we'll be right back.
I'm Faith Middleton, and my conversation continues with Jada De Laurentiis of the Food Network. We recorded a Faith Middleton food schmooze with her in Madison, Connecticut, thanks to R.J. Julia Booksellers. Huge audience, as you can hear every time. And her new cookbook is called Jada's Italy. So for fun, we just sent Robin out into the audience, so we threw it out to them for questions. You never know what you're going to get with something like that. So here we go. Let me just say this. I want to thank Joe Koss, our engineer, and our senior producer, Robin Doyen Aiken. Um, yes, yes, these are the people who make things happen. Yes, because otherwise nobody would hear us tonight. Yeah. So. Okay, the request was to ask an actual question, not make a statement. So um, Jada's is brilliant. She said, just put a question mark. Hi. Um, I just want to What's know if you'll be doing... Jackie. Jackie. Carano, nice yeah. Just wondering if you're doing another Italy series, the series you've been doing. Do you guys know how hard it is to shoot in Italy? It's tough. But yes, mm-hmm. I should do that. Robin. Giada, meet Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Giada. Um, my question for you is, what is the process from start to finish to get a recipe in the cookbook, from thinking of the idea to testing it and all that? How does that all work? I usually create recipes for my show's first. I come up with themes for the shows. I think about how we're going to shoot the show. Then I work backwards and I start creating recipes for that. So let's say it's a picnic show, right? So I think to myself, well, they kind of all have to be recipes that don't need to be heated up or they have to be in a thermos. One has to be a carbohydrate. One, like, that's how I think, right? So I start to end up with a plethora of recipes that I test for the show. Then I want to do a book and I start to bring together the database that I have. And I start looking through the recipes and I start to think, that could work, but I have to tweak it. Also, recipes for books are written a little differently than recipes for shows. When you're reading a recipe, it's a different structure than when you're actually making a recipe on camera. And on camera, I try to remove as many pots and pans and as many steps as possible. In a book, I don't have to quite do that as much. It can take a year. And remember, I'm developing recipes for my restaurants, TV shows, my online jodzy.com website, and books. And after a while, (laughs) But I get also hooked on different ingredients. I had a book a couple years ago where my editor was like, there's a lot of artichokes in this book, lots. And I said, I know. I love artichokes right now. Get over it. I just won't do it again in the next book. It'll be fine. So, you know, that happens too. Up here. Debbie Hi, Debbie. Hi, Jana. Uh, my question for you is, does your daughter Jade know what McDonald's or fast foods are? <laughs> Debbie, she doesn't live under a rock. <laughs> of course she does. Her father takes her all the time. <laughs> I will say, I never take her, but he takes her plenty. And I believe it goes the french fries from McDonald's and the hamburgers from Burger King. So yes, thank you. Yeah. She's not deprived, I promise. Lisa is here for you. I came from upstate New York to see you today. Oh, thank you for coming. Oh, that's so nice. Um, My question is... I love your um, holiday handbook recipes and your little drawings and your ideas, 
Would you ever do a cookbook? A book with like all that. Those? So I've been building this little book, show after show. And I'm actually going to start shooting some more holiday handbooks, I think, in like a few weeks. <laughs> and I've been thinking about it long and hard. And I actually think at some point, yes. It's fun. That's another really difficult show to do, but it's fun. You are the best. Thank you so much. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for coming. Wasn't that the most fun, Robin? That was maybe the second most fun day I've had at work. You know, we, we did ride a bike through New Haven once for a show. So. With, with sparkling wine, I think. Yes. So let's talk about what happened, because this is, we're now back in the studio. Of course, we recorded that in a church in Madison with a huge audience. They were so enthusiastic. I wish I could have given more people the mic to ask more questions, but... It was getting late, and... And she was hungry. (laughs) Do you remember that? You do that to people. She was, no, she really was hungry. I think she said during the conversation she knew she was going to have pizza. Pizza. They promised pizza on the way home, so you can't blame her for that. Right. So I have to tell you, she wrote, you know, we had that exchange about food pornography, (laughs) and, and, and she was hilarious during it. So I went to get up from my chair to go off stage so she could sign a few extra books for people, that kind of thing, say hello to them. And I started to walk away, and she said, Faith, Faith. And she hands me one of her books, and she has apparently flipped it open and wrote inside, Faith, I am so glad you think of me before bed. Love Giada. That's the best. (laughs) She's a lot of fun. She is. She has a wonderful sense of humor. I wish for our listeners that they could have seen the number of times that she maybe turned a little red or was really having fun connecting with the audience, connecting with you. It was really, it was magical. I guess she said a couple of things she doesn't say. Her producers said this to us afterward. In particular, that stuff about 9-11 changing the feeling of the country, sort of the emotional feeling of the country and people wanting to stay home and cook and be with loved ones. That was one thing she never says. And the other thing was how she came to be seen in her family. A lot of strong personalities. And when she started cooking, they started taking her seriously. And so she stuck with it because she could be, you know, as she just said, she could be seen that way. Yeah. I thought that was really amazing. It was the way to stand out. Can we just spend a couple of minutes together going through a couple more recipes in the book? Because we got off into so many things. I felt, hope I didn't shortchange her on recipes. We've got those three at foodschmooze.org. And by the way, coming up, I'm going to tell you how this book is all about Italy. And that's lucky because I'm going to tell you that I'm leading another food and wine trip this fall to a section of Italy I cannot wait to go to. It's the Secret South. So stay right in your chair for a few more minutes. I'm going to tell you all about that. These sell out very, very quickly. So if you've got a pen in your hand, write down the address that I'm going to give you. Robin, do you ever make this at home? When I go to Italy, 
in these little places, either for late breakfast, lunch, or afternoon snack. And Giada has a recipe for this in here. They make a version of the Sicilian tuna salad sandwich. So it's beautiful canned tuna and usually packed in olive oil. Then they start adding in, and usually it's the belly of the tuna, so it's a little bit more expensive, chopped celery and sun-dried tomatoes that were packed in oil, and parsley. They put in capers, uh, lemon juice, salt and pepper, chopped baby arugula, and they give you this little sandwich of this, and it is the perfect snack. I love that. She does hers on English muffins. So you can see her trying to cut down on the bread, which is another great way to do it. It's like a little pizza of tuna. I make that too. Maybe not with the highest grade of tuna, but I'm always putting together a little tuna sandwich on an English muffin. And do you do it with olive oil? Yes, I love that. Me too. I just went by the page in her book, Giada's Italy, for the cacio pepe which is pepper and cheese with pasta. Mm -hmm. And you know how everyone clapped for it? I mean, when is everyone clapping for a pasta (laughs) dish? It's so shocking to me that that dish became famous, and it's essentially two ingredients. People are now, when they go to Italian restaurants, that's the thing they order. And I always think, when I go to a restaurant, I try to order the thing that I can't make at home. This, of course, is so simple that anyone can do it, but it's still a restaurant favorite. And it tastes so good. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the thing. That's why we keep ordering it over and over again. Here's one I wish we had gotten to on stage because I think it would have gotten a round of applause. Creamy lobster linguine. Oh, boy. This consists of cooked lobster meat, olive oil, bacon, shallots, garlic, crushed red pepper flakes, tomato puree, a touch, just a touch of heavy cream, a pound of linguine, of course, freshly grated Parmigiano-Reggiano, a baby arugula. She loves that. She puts it in everything. Fresh tarragon leaves, fresh basil leaves, and a cup of frozen peas. That's date night food to me or like anniversary dinner. What would we drink with that? I might drink a rosé or a Uh, Vermentino, my favorite, though, would be, because it's got bacon in it, a sparkling rosé, a dry sparkling rosé. That'd be wonderful. Even more celebratory. So don't you think before we end this, and I tell people about the trip to Italy, let's go to desserts because we got a scolding from her. (laughs) We didn't include enough desserts. (laughs) We have to end on a sweet note here. Well, there's a black and white brownie ice cream cake. That doesn't sound Italian to me. <laughs> Who cares? It has, I know. It has frangelico in it, so that kind of makes it Italian. And in the really hot weather, remember that she's got a recipe for a spritzer slushy. So it's freshly squeezed orange juice, freshly squeezed lemon juice, a little um, Aperol, which is a bitter orange liqueur, and you top it off with Prosecco. Forget frosé. I'm going to have that. <laughs> this is a t- that's date night food, really, in <laughs> yeah. the summer. Robin, this was the best thing to do together. 
I had the the most fun doing this with you. Thank you for producing. I think I didn't want the night to end, so I'm glad we got to go back in the studio and talk about our experience. <laughs> Me too. And we're still talking about food because we didn't get to eat. <laughs> yeah. We didn't eat either. Okay. Um, here's the story. Dazzling aqua blue water, ancient architecture, Italy's most beautiful beaches. Come with me on a gorgeous food and wine trip through the undiscovered south, Puglia, home to some of the country's best food, wine, art, and views. It's pure pleasure. Top flight hotels in Puglia and Rome. Tastings, and best of all, they know I'll be reporting on this trip as it unfolds, so all of our hosts will want to impress you and me. If you'd like to join me September 29th through October 8th for this unprecedented experience, go online to F. Middleton at ctpublic.org. That's F. Middleton at ctpublic.org. Yes, and to be clear, that is Faith's email address. So put Italy Trip in your subject line, and that will let her know that you are someone who is interested in signing up for this year's trip. We're on Connecticut Public Radio Thursdays at 3 and 9 p.m. and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, listen for my 60-second food schmoozes and never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast on your schedule. And when you need a little more party in your life, we're here online at foodschmooze.org. And we hope you'll talk with us on Facebook. We're at Faith Middleton Foodschmooze.